All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a Thursday, November 29th, 2018. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, Thanksgiving special we did last week. It was uh, fantastic. I had a lot of fun recording it. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it's the last holiday uh, special for this year. Christmas isn't on a Thursday. New Year's isn't on a Thursday. Um, so there won't be any other uh, holiday specials for 2018. I don't know about 2019. I haven't looked that far ahead uh, into the calendar, so I can't speak on that. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy the Thanksgiving special. I had a lot of fun recording it, so I uh, hope you guys uh, had fun listening to it. Uh, this week, we got a whole bunch of stuff. It's champ week. It's championship week in college football. We're going to be doing all five power conf- or power five conference championships this week. Uh, some great games in NFL this week. A really great game tonight, uh, Saints and Cowboys. I think it's going to be a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting than people think. Uh, a lot of people are picking the Saints running away. I don't think that will necessarily be the case. I think it will be a really uh, fun, competitive game tonight. So uh, we're going to be doing that. And uh, finally, the uh, Bradley Bill to the Lakers uh, rumors. Uh, I'm going to be t- telling you uh, my opinion on that, what I think about Bradley Bill to the Lakers. Should they do it? Should they not? I'm not going to spoil it. That's uh, that's what you call a teaser, kids. You uh, kind of give them, you show them a little bit, but you don't give them the whole thing. So uh, make sure you stick around for that. But first, we have college football as we do every single week. Let's go ahead and lead off with that. Uh, the latest college football playoff rankings, and we're going to narrow it down. Uh, we normally do the top 15. We're narrowing down to the top 10 because that's all that anyone really cares about. I mean, there's only about uh, five or six teams that are even still alive in the playoff race. So we're going to be, there's no point in me listing down five other teams that nobody cares about. So from number 10, counting all the way down, uh, LSU number 10, number 9, Florida, number 8, UCF, uh, number 7, Michigan, number 6, Ohio State, number 5, Oklahoma. Number four, Georgia, Notre Dame, and then rounding it off, big surprise, Clemson and Alabama roll, tide, roll. Um, So those are your top 10 uh, college football teams in the country this week. Uh, UCF, really, I mean, at number eight, just looking at it from here, being at number eight, I really don't see any way they can get in unless, unless you have Ohio State losing, Oklahoma losing, and then Alabama winning uh, meaning Georgia lose that I, that's the only way I could see UCF sneaking it into the playoff is if just everybody loses this week which I don't think will happen I don't see Oklahoma and Ohio State losing in the same week and by me saying it's not going to happen you can pretty much guarantee that they're both going to lose this week so um, with that let's go ahead and get into the power five conference championships uh, we're going to be doing it from least important to most important so uh, least important being number two Clemson against uh, Pitt and uh, that's all we need to say about that. All right, second conference championship. I mean, come on. It's it's almost unfair. It is unfair. Not almost. It's unfair. Uh, Pitt's playing uh, Clemson. You can't really... I mean, it's not anything against Clemson. There are teams that control their non-conference schedule. And sometimes you have years where you're saying, come on, why is this guy... They're playing a horrible non-conference schedule. It's not uh, Clemson's fault. I mean, Miami last year was really good. That was a great conference championship. A few years ago, Florida State obviously was really good and in the running for national championships every single year. So it's just kind of a down year for the ACC. You can't really take anything away from Clemson. But uh, with that, that's that's all we're going to say. I mean, Clemson's going to steamroll these guys uh, running away. Uh, the second game that we have, the second, second conference championships, the Pac-12. Um, Number 17, Utah against number 11, Washington. Uh, I guess second least important in the sense that um, both the teams are ranked, I guess, but not, neither of the teams are going to make the playoffs. So um, I don't see how this game is any much more interesting than Clemson and Pitt. It's kind of disappointing, to be honest with you, because the Pac-12 has been easily the worst Power 5 conference in, in the past three to four years, and that's including... Uh, USC's Rose Bowl win. I mean, the Pac-12 was really bad that year, too. Um, and they weren't even Pac-12 champs that year. So, I mean, you can't really represent them at, at the top of the conference there. Uh, they've just been, they, The Pac-12's just been the worst. They've been worse than the Big 12 because the Big 12 has some pretty good schools. Texas, Oklahoma, uh, West Virginia, all ranked in the top 15, if not the top 25. Right now, uh, the Pac-12 only has uh, Washington in the top 25. And then Utah. And I think that's it. Uh, Stanford's not ranked. USC's definitely not ranked. Uh, Oregon, I think, is still unranked. So even the top dogs, the teams you would say are the best in the Pac-12, uh, they're really not even that good when you compare them with across the country. But with that, we have Washington and Utah playing uh, each other. 
Washington's coming off a pretty, I guess, somewhat of a dominant game against the little brother Washington State. Uh, I was a little bit uh, disappointed in that because I picked Washington State and I, to win last week. And I did a whole segment. I spent probably like five to ten minutes explaining how Washington State could theoretically get into the playoff in what different scenarios. And then just for them to lose. I mean, I really did all of that for nothing. They did. I, I did that whole segment and just to watch them lose in a game that was almost unwatchable, really. I mean, literally unwatchable. You couldn't see the field. It was just covered in snow. It looked like a game from the 1940s. I mean, it was just it was a time travel game. Really, lots of defense, or maybe not even defense, just really bad offense because you can't uh, operate well in the snow. It just was a really bo- boring game. But Washington, they took command, they won, and now they're playing in the Pac-12 title game against Utah uh, coming out of the South. And the Pac-12 South specifically has been horrendous I mean they've been terrible one of the better teams in the Pac-12 South is Herm Edwards in Arizona State I mean who saw that coming uh, USC is towards the bottom I think they have a worse record than Colorado this year they lost to uh, well now a three-win team um, in UCLA the Pac-12 South is, is just really really bad I mean I don't know any players on, on Utah's team to be quite honest with you They're, I mean no one's ever heard of anyone on, on Utah they're just no good for the sake of TV ratings and I say that in the sense that the Pac-12 champ usually beats the Big Ten champ uh, in the Rose Bowl. But in this case scenario, the Big Ten champ is probably going to be playing uh, in the playoffs, that being in Ohio State. I just gave away my Big Ten title pick. Um, and I think it'd be better. It'd be way more interesting if Washington got into the Rose Bowl than Utah. I, I mean, Utah and then Northwestern potentially in the Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl is just uh, unwatchable. So I hope Washington wins this week just so it's... The Rose Bowl is kind of... The Rose Bowl is my favorite. Every single year, I don't care who's in it, I watch it. If Utah and Northwestern are in there, I probably won't be watching that bowl. So I'm going to take Washington this week, 34 uh, to 20. Uh, two touchdown lead. I don't think that's too outrageous. Uh, 34 to 20, I'll take Washington and win the Pac-12. I hope. I'm really rooting for Washington, not because I, I don't care about a Chris Peterson or Jake Browning. I just want a good Rose Bowl, and that's that's really what I'm, uh, hope, what I'm hoping for is just... This game has no playoff implications whatsoever. It just factors into uh, who's going to be in the Rose Bowl, and that's that's really what I care about. So the next conference championship game, the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. And I put this as the third most important um, or interesting championship game because at least one team, or not at least, only one team uh, is still alive in the playoff, uh, yeah, in the playoff race, I guess, uh, and that being Oklahoma. I have a chance for some slight redemption this week. Some of you may recall, may, some of you, uh, I picked Texas to make the playoff preseason before the, before the year had even started. I think it was my very first episode of Crowd Noise. I think, would, please don't go back and listen to it. Uh, it. It's just terrible. The early Crowd Noise episodes are just really bad. I don't know how much better the recent Crowd Noises have been, but uh if you think this is okay or no good, please, for the love of God, do not go back and look up my, my preseason predictions, the first episode. Just take me at my word. They're no good. So with that, I'll save you the time. I picked Texas to get to the playoff, and that was a pretty boneheaded pick. A lot of people let me know that it was just the stupidest pick they ever heard in their life. And then about three weeks later, uh, after the Maryland, lo- Maryland loss, maybe about four or five weeks after that, it took a little while to marinate. They were number seven in the rankings. They were top ten, and I felt like, the smartest man to have ever walked this earth. I mean, I just felt like a genius. And then they lost again, and the dream was pretty much over. But now they're climbing back uh, into the top 25. They are number 14 here, so they're in the top 15, Texas is. Uh, I picked them to win, obviously get to the playoff, but by way of winning the Big 12. So I have a chance of redemption. They're not getting in the playoff. I, that much we know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make any kind of case for Texas to, to sneak their way into the fourth seed. There's, there's no way it's happening. But... I do have a chance at redemption because I did pick Texas to win the Big 12 of the preseason and then get into the playoff. I'd like to see Texas win just so my preseason pick could be half right and I could have more than just Alabama and Clemson uh, correct as far as my preseason conference champions. I'd like to see Texas win. However, they're not going to win because Oklahoma, they need to leave a lasting impression on the committee to separate themselves from Ohio State, meaning they need to score a bunch of points. It not. I mean, more so just being in a rivalry game. They have to put up points. They have to run up the score to impress the committee, not just because uh, it's a Red River rivalry on a new, on another neutral field. They always play the Red River. 
um, on a neutral field, but this one's a conference championship. They're going to have to score a ton of points to really wow the committee. Um, I don't think Texas is going to be able to keep up with them. If it gets into a high-scoring game, which it will, uh, Texas is not going to be able to keep up with them. They're going to need it to be a low-scoring game. Uh, in the Red River game, it was a low-scoring game for a while. Then Oklahoma started scoring points, and Texas had a hard time holding them off. They were able to. They got a last-second field goal to win the game, but they, they almost lost that game. Oklahoma should be undefeated right now. Uh, and there's another positive for Oklahoma getting into the playoff. They'll be able to avenge their one loss this season and uh, erase that from the minds of the committee. So I'm taking Oklahoma this week. Big number. Uh, 55 to 20. I do think it's going to get out of hand. I really do. It could be a wider margin of victory than that. They could get into the 60s. I could hold Texas uh, to less than 20. I think it's going to be um, a pretty big blowout. So um, that preseason conference championship pick is not uh, getting any better, <laughs> according to my picks this week. I also picked Oklahoma to win when they played Texas. So you never know. Uh, Texas fight, Texas fight. Yeah, Texas fight. So uh, yeah, I don't know why I just did that. I hope you... <laughs> Uh, please forgive me for that horrible render, uh, rendition of the Texas fight song. So the next game we are doing is uh, Northwestern number 21 against number six, Ohio State, the Big Ten title game. Now, no one, Ohio State has all but won this um, conference championship. No one is giving um, Ohio, excuse me, Northwestern any kind of chance. And uh, being that this show has repeatedly gone against the norm, they have, we have defied what what the the mass public has has told to us we've constantly just gone the other way what the entire country has said we've gone the complete opposite way so will this be another example of this show just going against the grain just completely denying no one's giving northwestern any kind of chance will this be the one show in america to give northwestern a chance to beat ohio state short answer is no absolutely not um, Ohio State, similar to Oklahoma, they need to leave a lasting impression on the committee. Maybe them more so because they're behind Oklahoma. And they need to leapfrog um, them to get into the top four. Um, Ohio State, they're the better team. I don't trust them. I don't know. Um, the perception of Ohio State is really kind of flipped. It's done a 180. Before they were just they were a, a weak top ten team. They they weren't. They were just no good, and they dominate Michigan. I'm not taking anything away from that win. They dominated Michigan. But now all of a sudden Ohio State is the new, they're the hottest team in the country. They're just hitting their stride. People forget two weeks ago they almost lost to Maryland. They should have lost to Maryland. Uh, if you watch that game, they just played horrendous. They were turning the ball over. They were giving up uh, big plays. The defense had a bunch of holes all over the field. They were just asking to get upset against Maryland. Uh, and then they bounced back to to their credit. They bounce back. They dominate Michigan. Now all of a sudden they're they're the hottest team in the country. Um, I don't know how much I trust Ohio State, um, but on a neutral field in a conference championship, you take the more talented team, and that is clearly, I mean, Ohio State. I don't even have to say that. They're playing Northwestern. So I'll take Ohio State this week tentatively 45-19. Uh, to 19. They're going to have to pull away also. So with that, oh, and then there's the SEC championship. Way to go, Stephen. We just completely skipped over the most important uh, conference championship game. Look, Alabama has been dominant all year. You've heard me say that week after week. Um, they're playing Georgia, who I think, I don't know. I said earlier in the year LSU was probably the best team they were going to play all season long. I don't know how much I can, I'm going to stand by that because Georgia's good. They're no slouch. They're kind of been, they've kind of been flying under the radar, and I think that's because all year long people have known they're going to have to go through Alabama and they're just they're not going to be able to. I think that's why people just kind of brush Georgia off to the side because they really have little to no shot of beating Alabama. And that's nothing against Georgia. That's just a testament to how great Alabama is. I don't want to hear about their they don't have a, a tough schedule. They're not playing anyone. Well, the two top 25 teams that they played back to back, that being LSU and Mississippi State, they blanked both of them. I mean, they went nine straight quarters without allowing a point. Um, starting the game before LSU and then the LSU game and then Mississippi State. They shut out two top 25 teams back-to-back. So I don't know what more you want. There is the Citadel game. I mean, I'll give you that. That's a horrible game. But are we really going to sit up here and say that Alabama, that we don't believe in Alabama, that they're not one of the best four teams in the country? Come on. Um, Georgia does have the offense to to score with Alabama, which is just weird to say. I mean, it's never been the case where 
oh, we're playing Alabama this week. We've got to score with them. We have to be able to keep up. That's never been the case, and that's why Alabama is just more dominant this year, I think, than any other year under the Nick Saban era. But Georgia does have the offense to at least keep it close, to keep up with Alabama. Only one time this year, only one time has Georgia scored less than 30 points. Only one game, and it was 27 points um, all year long. So there's that. Georgia, it's not going to be a blowout. As, as much as I like to gas up Alabama, um, sorry, it's not going to be a blowout. I, I can promise you that. It'll be a comfortable Alabama win, but it won't be running away 30 points. I mean, they're just blowing teams out in, in the third quarter, and two is just sitting for the fourth quarter getting ready for his Gatorade shower. It's not going to be that. Alabama will win uh, comfortably by at least 14 points. I didn't put a score here down here because uh, I'm so great at taking notes. Uh, I'll take Alabama, let's say 38, 38 to 25, 21. I mean, I, I don't think that sounds like a pretty dominant win, but when you think about it, I don't think they're not going to be running away. Georgia should at least keep it close for the first three quarters. Alabama's going to wear them down, but I don't think they'll they'll destroy Georgia. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but it'll be a comfortable win. A nice test for Alabama going into the playoff, uh, whether it be Oklahoma or Ohio State, and then eventually we're part four. Is it part four? Clemson and Alabama, and I think this one's going to be the best uh, rendition. Well, I, may, I can't even say that. I mean, the Deshaun Watson game, that was fantastic. You're talking about a last-second walk-off touchdown in the national championship. Um, that was a great game. I don't know if uh, Alabama-Clemson will be that good, but it, it sure surely will be a great game. My name is not Shirley. So with all my picks going chalk, and that is a very concerning reality for all my pick the favorites at every single one of these games, so that is not uh, very... That doesn't give me a lot of confidence going into this week. But with that, all of these games going chalk in my book, there is one question that still remains. Who's in? Oklahoma or Ohio State? It's, it, before, it looked like it was going to be Michigan, Notre Dame. Who's in? Who's out? It's complete, the tables have completely turned on. I, I don't think Ohio State was a shocking upset. Like No one saw it coming, but I don't think anyone saw Ohio State winning in that fashion. I mean, just dominating Michigan, blowing them off the field. I mean, they had no business on the same field as Ohio State uh, did Michigan. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. So now it's come down to the last spot. Uh, the top three teams have all punched their tickets. Alabama is in, in, even with a loss, and I don't have to get into Every week I've, I've, I've discussed, what if Alabama loses? What happens if Al- They're not going to lose, so I'm not going to waste any of my time. They're not going to lose. Their ticket is punched. Clemson, they're playing Pitt. They might as well be on a bye this week. Their ticket is punched. Notre Dame does not have a conference championship. They're undefeated. They're sitting at number three. They're not going to fall out two spots. They're in. So that leaves you with Oklahoma and Ohio State. And UCF, as I said earlier. If both of those teams were to lose, I don't see anyone else. Um, Who else is in the top ten? Let's go over that again. Uh, Georgia, well, if they were to lose, they'd be done. Oklahoma would lose. All the teams that are ahead of UCF all have one loss, and then that would be two losses. Uh, Michigan does not play. UCF does have a conference championship uh, this week. They play Memphis. So, I mean, if if all those teams were to lose, I, I guess you'd have to put UCF in there. That's the only possible way UCF is getting in the playoff is if uh, Georgia loses, Oklahoma loses, Ohio State. Everyone in front of them has to lose this week for, for UCF to get in. Uh, so there's your scenario there. And that's all we're going to say about that. But for the most part, you are left with Ohio State and Oklahoma. I don't know if you just heard that. It was a ding from my laptop. I just got a notification, I guess. If you heard that, just disregard that. There's no fire alarm going off, so just ignore that. Um, that leaves Ohio State and Oklahoma. Here's a blind resume for you. Because these teams are really hard to separate. I mean, there's Ohio State, the tradition, you know, uh, not the pageantry. I mean, USC is more known for pageantry, I guess. But Ohio State, they have all the national championships. They have all kinds. I mean, they have the pedigree. They have, they pass, quote, unquote, the eye test. When you think Ohio State or Oklahoma, you're going to most, nine times out of ten, you're going to give the nod to Ohio State. But here's a, a blind resume for you. And Oklahoma has been dominant this year as well. They don't have... The same defense that Ohio State does, obviously. They play in the Big 12. It's just scoring, scoring, scoring. They just, um, last, what was it? Because West Virginia is 59-58. I mean, they just, it was uh, a classic barn burner if I've ever seen one. But here is a blind resume for you to kind of separate the teams uh, if there is any room for separation. So team one uh, is fifth in the FPI. That's the Football Power Index. And team two is number six. So they're only 
one spot away from each other. And uh, let's see, what's the other? Okay, Team 1 has... Okay, so remember, in the FPI, Team 1 is number 5, and Team 2 is number 6 in the FPI. Uh, as far as top 25 wins, Team 1 has 3, and Team 2 has two top 25 wins on the season. So with those numbers, you'd probably gather that in your brain. You're trying to think who's who. Uh, Big 10, are they the better conference? Is the Big 12 the better conference? Um, Ohio State's been more dominant lately. You're throwing those numbers around. Uh, team 1, time for the big reveal. Team 1 is Oklahoma. Team 2 being Ohio State. <laughs> Shocker, I didn't have to say that. Uh, so Team 1, o- Oklahoma... As far as the numbers go, they are clearly the better team. They are the more deserving team to get in. They have, they're they higher ranked on the FBI. They have more top 25 wins. They have the better loss. I mean, they lost to Texas by three versus Ohio State losing to Purdue by 33. I think it was a horrendous loss. I mean, that's just terrible. I think that's the biggest gripe against Ohio State right now is, is that Purdue loss more so, than, more so than anything else. And if you look at their conference championships this week, Oklahoma gets the better game. They play top 25 Top 15, Texas, um, and they'll get a top 15 win, obviously. And then uh, Ohio State plays, what is Northwestern ranked? Uh, let me see here. I might know. 21, so they'll get a top 25 win, but Texas is obviously better than Northwestern. So Oklahoma would have another top 25 win. That'd be four to three now. And I guess I wouldn't really uh, uh, separate them too much because you just add one to that column. So with all those numbers, you'd have to say Oklahoma is clearly the most deserving team. They should get in number four if both teams were to win. It's Oklahoma. Obviously, look at the numbers. The numbers never lie. However, I would have to side with Ohio State. If you ask me, this is an opinion show. I've been trying to work on my opinions uh, lately, get more of what I think out there. So what I think, I like the way I said that, Ohio State, I'm pretty sure we can, most of us agree. Some of you really do think Oklahoma is the better team, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue like it's just a blasphemous thing, that it's just a, a crazy statement. If you truly believe Oklahoma is a better team than Ohio State, I disagree, but I'll listen to it. I mean, it's not an outrageous argument. Um, but I personally believe, and I think most people believe, Ohio State is the better team top to bottom than Oklahoma. You can make the argument they have the better coach. I mean, not even the argument. You have a pretty solid statement. Urban Meyer is a better coach than Lincoln Riley. He's certainly more accomplished than Lincoln Riley. Uh, Lincoln Riley's fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from him, but you're talking about Urban Meyer. He, he's a legend. He's up there with Nick Saban uh, and Jim Harbaugh. Maybe probably he's more accomplished than Jim Harbaugh, but uh, we'll leave that argument for another day. I would say Ohio State does not deserves. They are the better team, and the college football playoff was built on the on the premise that you put the best four teams in the country, not the most deserving teams. Who is Oklahoma? They, as far as the numbers are going, uh, far, as far as the numbers show, they are the more deserving team. But the playoff was built on putting the best four teams in the country, and Ohio State is in that class. They are, I believe that they, were, they are better than Oklahoma. Um, they have a better defense than Oklahoma. Now, here's, where, here's what you're saying. You're up in arms right now. You're screaming into your, your phone or your laptop or whatever you're listening on. The Purdue loss. What about the Purdue loss? Okay, I will take that and say it is a horrible loss. I'm not going to defend it. I mean, Purdue's terrible. I'm not going to say that they, caught a, they lost to a good team. They did it. It was a bad loss. I get that. But it was a long time ago. And two, three weeks ago, we were all ready to just put aside, like I said earlier, it came a few weeks ago, it was coming down to who's in Notre Dame or Michigan. And a lot of people were leaning towards Michigan because they were the hottest team in the country. And I'm making air quotes. I hate that term, but that's what people were calling them. The hottest team in the country. And people were willing to overlook the Notre Dame loss because why? It was in week one. It was such a long time ago. They're a different team now. So we're able to overlook uh, Michigan's loss. Why are we not able to overlook Ohio State's loss? And I am. I personally believe Ohio State is the better team. I think they have a better chance of stopping Alabama. Don't tell me that Oklahoma is going to be able to score points better with Alabama because, like I said earlier, to beat Alabama, now you have to score with them. Um, Ohio State scores just as many points as Oklahoma. They score just as many points as Alabama. And they have a, better, they have a much better defense than Oklahoma. Don't argue they do. They, have, they put out NFL I mean, first-rounders every single year consistently. Ohio State and Clemson, that's why they're so good also. Uh, if it came down to it, if it was up to me, Ohio State needs to be in the top four 
even if Oklahoma dominates Texas this week, I still, in my heart of hearts, I believe Ohio State is the better team. They need to be in the playoff. Wow, I got that done right at 25 minutes. That was great. I did that a perfect even 25-minute segment. So there is all of our college football. Let's move on to the pros now. NFL with a great game tonight. I'm really, I can't wait. More for this week. This is going to be one of my... I haven't been more excited for an NFL Sunday or an NFL weekend since like week one, since the season started. And I mean, part of that is because I mean, the, great, the games aren't like that great. I mean, there's no um, Super Bowl previews this week. Like uh, last, a few weeks ago, it was the Rams and the Chiefs. But uh, in my, personally, it's, it's me time. It's my show. I'm going to talk about me. Uh, I'm, I'm on my last life as far as my fantasy team. My season is coming down to this week, and I can't wait. I mean, I should be... I should be stressed out. I should be, I mean, just nervous out of my mind, but I'm not. I'm excited. I love, I can't wait. I mean, this is going to be such a great week for me. I mean, I don't know how your fantasy team is doing. I don't care, really. I mean, I mean, go make your own podcast and tell me how your fantasy team is doing. But my team is, I mean, we're not doing great. We're not doing good at all, but we're still alive. And it starts now. Our playoff push starts this week, so I can't wait. Um, so with that, all that enthusiasm, I'm putting that into our NFL uh, segment this week starting tonight Saints and Cowboys and it's a big game for me also because I have Amari Cooper and for those of you wondering last week did the Thanksgiving special I woke up really early I did all this homework all the notes and stuff for Thanksgiving and I didn't even bother to start Amari Cooper so last week it, w- it was tough I'm not gonna lie it was pretty tough watching Amari Cooper streak towards the end zone and he was just sitting on my bench uh, but I'm not making that same mistake this week I'm starting Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper, if you're out there listening, you're not. But if you're out there listening, please I'm just give me one more. Just do one more of those those 90 yard touchdowns. Just because I I messed up. Fix my mistake for for me, please, Amari Cooper. Please, I I, I really appreciate that. So there's that. Enough about me. Let's get to the, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about what you came here to, to listen to, not my fantasy team, but the NFL in its entirety. It seems that there is a new best team in the league almost every week, and maybe every two or three weeks. First, it was the Chiefs, and they were super exciting. They're really fun, and they still are, but they're, they're not the best team anymore. By end. If you ask anyone, no one's picking Kansas City unless you ask someone in Kansas City. Uh, then it was the Rams, and they were dominant. The Rams were just as fun as the Chiefs, but they played defense too. Wow, they play both sides of the ball. It was the Rams that was the best team in the league. Then they lost to the now best team in the league, the New Orleans Saints. And uh, for a while, they have been the best team, and it looks like it's going to continue. I mean, they've just been dominating everyone. Uh, they deserve that title. I'm not trying to take away, don't get it twisted, I'm not trying to take away from the Saints, but there have been a new best team. There's the kind of, it's kind of been a roller coaster uh, NFL season as far as like hype and who's, who's the best team in the league. Uh, if the Saints were to lose this week, I would say the next potential, and making air quotes again, best team in the league is the Texans. They've been streaking all year long. Since going 0-3, they're undefeated. I mean, they're, they've won eight straight since going, I mean, since going 0-3. People were writing them off, and I picked them to get to the Super Bowl. Everyone was making fun of me. Now, all of a sudden, I look like a genius again. So, there's that. But for any of that to happen, the Saints need to lose this week. Um, they're dominating everyone. They can attack you from all angles. They, they can throw the ball, obviously, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. They can run the ball consistently, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and they play Ingram. They Mark Ingram, they play great defense. Um, I can't get over it. I can't get the, the image out of my head. A few, when they play the Eagles and Carson Wentz come, came up from his, I think it was like his fourth or fifth sack, and he took his helmet off. His face was red as a tomato. I mean, that just summarized what it's like playing the Saints. Carson Wentz's red tomato face summarized what it's like to play those guys. They're just, they're fantastic. And every team that plays them, what's the formula to beat the Saints? Well, we got to run the ball. We got to keep Drew Brees off the field, and we're going to play great defense. Okay, great. How many teams have actually done that this year? None, not one, zero, not one. That's the list. Um, and the Saints really should be undefeated when you think about it. They're considering their one loss was week one to Fitz Magic's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you're telling me that if the Saints played the Bucks right now, they couldn't beat them? They'd destroy them. They'd look like Alabama against the Citadel almost. Um, so they really should, they could be undefeated this year. Um, and maybe it, it might be better that they aren't because there is that whole media pressure is being undefeated, which I think is ridiculous. You go out and try and win games every week, no matter whether you're undefeated or you haven't won a game all year long. Um, going back to what is the formula 
for beating the Saints is run the ball, play good defense, keep Drew Brees off the field. There's only one team that can actually follow through with that formula. It's easy to say. It sounds great to say. It's so simple. Just run the ball and keep them off the field. How easy is that? There's only one team that actually can follow through with that formula, and that is the Dallas Cowboys because it, that is their formula to win, period. That is what they do. They run the ball. They keep your offense off the field. They give their defense plenty of rest, and they play really good defense. We're going to touch on that uh, in a second. That's what they do. Ever since they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, their formula to win has been to run the ball and wear down your defense. Just That's what they do. So if anyone has the formula to beat the Saints, ironically, I think it is the Cowboys. You could also make a case for the Rams as much as they run the ball with Todd Gurley, but I think running the ball is the Cowboys. That's what they do is just run the ball, downhill power football. That's what they do. That's why I think it will be close. I'm not picking, the Cowboys are going to, excuse me, the Saints are going to win this week. They're not, I'm getting my wires crossed. The Saints are going to win this week. The Cowboys, they're not going to win. They will keep it close. I don't think it'll be a blowout. Like a lot of people are just picking the Saints to smash the Cowboys and steamroll them. I don't think that will happen. It will be closer than the experts think. Um, Maybe a 10 point win or something like that. I think the Cowboys will keep it close. Wow, my score is even closer than that. Um, You can't bottle up. Drew Brees forever. And the Cowboys, I think, will will have a lead going into halftime. I think they will be win, winning the game uh, going into halftime because their defense, quietly, they have one of the best defensive lines in all of football, does Dallas. Um, they will be going up against the best offensive line in all of football, New Orleans Saints. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. I think they will be able to keep contain the Saints for the first half, but you can only keep that going for so long. I think the Saints pull away um, the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm going to take the Saints this week, 38-35. to 35. Moving on to Sunday, uh, the Colts and the Jaguars. The Colts have been one of the most pleasant surprises uh, all season long. I really like Andrew Luck. Um, they've been playing really good, and they're um, actually a dark horse to get into the playoffs uh, this year. The Colts are. Uh, they could actually win their division. I mean, it's uh, like I said earlier, Houston's really pulling away, but it's not over, uh, and Indianapolis could uh, sneak into the playoffs uh, into the wild card. And the Jaguars, meanwhile, have been the most unpleasant, unpleasant surprise uh, of the season. They've just they've been terrible. Their defense has dissipated, and their offense has been even worse than that. I mean, Blake Bortles, he's been benched. Blake Bortles has finally been benched. Cody Cuthbert is making a start this week. Um, it, it's just a mess in Jacksonville. What a turnaround! You're talking about last year. Jacksonville was one of the bright young teams that you thought could maybe carry the NFL for the future and they that they've been the opposite of that. They've just been horrible. I don't I can't think of any other words. They've just been terrible. The Jaguars have been absolutely terrible. We thought they were one of the teams to carry the AFC. Now that looks like it's the Chiefs, potentially the Chargers as well. Um they've just been terrible. Um going back to the Colts. Let's let's look on the bright side. Let's look at the positive stuff. So let's talk about the Colts. Andrew Luck has been fantastic. He's been playing like Andrew Luck and everyone he's been uh, inserting himself, not he hasn't brought it up himself. I mean, as far as his play, he's been inserting himself into the MVP conversation, um, and I think that I think that's a stretch. I, it, he's not the MVP. The MVP race has come down to two guys: it's Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees. And me personally, I'm leaning towards Patrick Mahomes. I have my biases. Um, Patrick Mahomes, if I would give the MVP, if you gave it to Drew Brees, I wouldn't be furious. But I I believe it's Patrick Mahomes. Andrew Luck is without a doubt, it's not even close to the comeback player of the year. That's the award he should be getting. People forget, he was throwing Nerf footballs in practice. He wasn't even throwing the Duke, the NFL football, the officially Wilson licensed football. He wasn't even throwing that. He was throwing Nerf footballs. Now we're talking about him in the MVP race? That's how That's how um, big of a turnaround it's been for the Colts, uh, bringing in Frank Reich. They've just been fantastic the Col- that's the new formula, really, I guess, to bring in a new young offensive coach. That's the new formula for winning in the NFL. Um, the Colts have just been great. I do think, here's my, here's my hot take prediction of the week, Andrew Luck will win MVP next year. I don't think it's this year. I do think next year he will win MVP because they're only going to get... His shoulder's not even fully healed. He's not even fully healed and he's playing this way. He's probably like at 80%, um, almost, but not quite all the way healed. Just imagine what he's going to be like next year. Just let that sink in. He's not even fully healed yet, and he's he's playing out of his mind. I'm taking the Colts this week, 38-10. to 10. And Our last uh, NFL game this week is the 
Chargers and the Steelers. Sorry, I had to let that uh, process a little bit. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers against the Steelers. I think this is going to be the most competitive game of the week. Maybe not the most, I say that meaning not the most interesting, maybe not the most fun game to watch, but the most competitive in that it's going to be the closest game. Uh, the hardest game to pick this week. I mean, I don't know why I should have never picked this this game to be on the, the show because it's really hard to separate these two teams. They're both really good. The Chargers are actually um, kind of a sleeper team to make some noise in, in the AFC playoff race. Um, they could actually catch the Chiefs. I think they're two or three games back of the Chiefs. Um, they're not out of the race but um, as far as the division champs, but uh, they're definitely in the playoff race. They would absolutely make the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. Uh, and they're playing the Steelers this week. Who will make the playoffs? I picked uh, the Ravens to win the North, which really that hasn't worked out for me one bit this year. Um, the Steelers, to their credit, have done a fantastic job of handling the Le'Veon Bell noise. They've finally gotten them out of their hair, so I think they're only going to get uh, better. But they were disappointing uh, last week against the Broncos, and it was the most Steeler loss that they could have they could have suffered. I mean, it was a game that they should have won. Um, they didn't play. Uh, sound football. The Steelers never play really fundamental sound. They're not the Patriots. They can play a little bit more wild, a little bit more loose. They have more penalties, more turnovers. Um, they still could have won the game. After all that, they still had a chance to win the game. And then they lost on a game deciding uh, turnover. It was the most Steeler loss that they could have they could have suffered. And I don't think it's not a big deal at all. I mean, they do this kind of stuff all the time under the Tomlin era. It's not a big deal. They do this stuff every single year. Um, with that, I like the Steelers to win this week uh, in a bounce-back performance uh, against the Chargers, who are missing Melvin Gordon to an MCL sprain. It's not a tear, um, not the end of the world, but they will be without him uh, for at least two to three weeks. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers this week. I think having a bad loss, at the, a game that they should have won, I think that will be enough motivation for them. I'll take the Steelers 35-27. to 27. That is all of our NFL for this week. We move on now to the NBA. The teaser, the great teaser that I did uh, for Bradley Beal to the Lakers. Now, you may have or may have not heard. Um, Bradley Beal, the wizard. I did a piece on this last year. I mean, last week, excuse me, uh, about Bradley Beal going to Lakers. I kind of touched on it because it was more of a Wizards kind of deal. The Wizards are going to blow everything up. They want to get rid of everyone. And, of course, LeBron... Or no LeBron, the Lakers are always the first team everyone throws out whenever there's a free agent or an all-star on the trade market. The Lakers are always one of the first teams that comes um, comes out in the rumors. And especially now with LeBron, um, they're even more in the conversation to trade and bring in big free agents. So the question is, should the Lakers make this trade for Bradley Beal? The short answer is no. Um, Bradley Beal is a fantastic player. He's He's great. Bradley, I have nothing against Bradley Beal. It's not, I don't think that he's not a good player and he wouldn't help the Lakers. I'm not going to argue. Bradley Beal to the Lakers would be a perfect fit. I, w- I did, I think I went off, was it last week or two weeks ago, um, Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers and how awful of a fit that would be. This is the complete opposite of that. Uh, it would be a great fit. But with that, Bradley Beal, because of his skill set, would be a great fit with every team in the league. I don't know one team that doesn't, that wouldn't want Bradley Beal. That includes the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they just love adding shooters. I could. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't be interested in Bradley Beal. He's that good and he's that great of a shooter. But trading for a shooter 20 games in the league, the Lakers are only 20 games in the season. It's kind of impatient. Trading for a shooter 20 games into the year is a win-now move. That's the kind of move you make when you're ready to go over the top. Let's bring in a shooter. This is going to put us over. Does Bradley Beal put the Lakers over the top and into the championship uh, contention? No, he doesn't. And the plan with the Lakers and LeBron was never to win in the first year. That was never the idea to sign LeBron and win a championship. Boom, just like that. That was never the intention. The Lakers are still in the pot. As slim as the chances may be, they're still in the running to get Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, the both of them creating maybe one of the greatest big threes of all time. LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. You're talking about three of the top five best players on the entire planet on one basketball team. You don't compromise that for Bradley Beal. As great as he is, he is not Anthony Davis. I can tell you that right now. And the Lakers, they did not trade. Okay, so if they were to make this trade, who would you give away? 
you pick your assortment of their young stars, Kuzma, Hart, Ingram, Ball, any one of those guys, you can, you can package them together uh, in a two-for-one or a three-for-one, uh, including uh, KCP. His contract is expiring. Or any or JaVale, anybody. You can pick anyone on the Lakers team for Bradley Beal except for LeBron, and they're pretty much, they're pretty much available. So with that, the Lakers denied, or they, they turned down the Spurs offer of Brandon Ingram, I think Kyle Kuzma, and I, don't, I forgot who. It was, it was more than two for one, but those were the two, I mean, uh, feature names in that package, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, for Kawhi Leonard. They turned that down. So now, why now are we in it? Um, are we in the talks of, let's trade Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball for Bradley Beal. I mean, if you didn't take that for Kawhi Leonard, don't don't settle for Bradley Beal. Stay the course. The Lakers need to stay the course and stick to their master plan that they have. And I do believe they have some people targeted. I do believe that they're they're going to get somebody. I don't know if it's Kevin Durant. They are going to get somebody next summer or this summer. I don't know however you want to look at it. 2019. They will get somebody. It may be Anthony Davis in a trade. It may be Kawhi Leonard potentially through free agency. Yeah, they're going to get somebody. The Lakers aren't going to do nothing. They will get someone. But it's not the time to make deals right now. It's not the time to sell out. Especially is, I don't think it'll happen, but there is a chance. If there's a chance you can get Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis and pair that with LeBron James, you roll the dice on that. You don't, you don't stay safe on Bradley Beal. This is turning into a gambling show. You don't stay safe on Bradley Beal when you, there's the potential to get Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, or even one of them. If you can get one of those guys, you stay the course there. The Lakers don't need to trade for Bradley Beal. If they do get an itch and, and they're forced by the media and LeBron needs, he's getting tired of playing with Lonzo Ball, there is someone they should trade for by the end of the deadline. Um, it's not Bradley Beal, as great as he is. I don't think he should be uh, with the Lakers. He's like a final piece. He's, he's a win-now type of guy. When you have a whole team set and you need one more shooter to go to put you over the top, that's who you get. He's not... One of the building blocks. He's not the icing on the cake. Or no, he is the icing on the cake. Or is he even... He's like a candle on the cake. He's the absolute last part of the cake. He's not the eggs or... or I don't know how you make a cake. Or the oven. <laughs> Who would be the oven in the lake? I guess Magic. Because he puts the team together. Or is he the chef? I don't know. This is getting weird. The one player that I believe the Lakers should aggressively attack in trade talks. And this is kind of far I know it's far It's not going to happen. But if, if you're going to swing for the fences, if you're the Lakers, you swing for the fences. You're the Lakers. You could do almost anything you want. You can dream. It's LA. Have, use your imagination. Um, Disneyland. Damian Lillard. As I know, most of you just turned off your phones and threw your phones away in disgust because there's absolutely no way that it would happen. But it's more likely than you think as far as the Lakers, the Lakers side of it. If you're going to go after Bradley Beal, who's a great shooter, and he is, why not go after Damian Lillard? But what about Lonzo? Well, you trade Lonzo Ball in that scenario. You trade Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Well, Lonzo Ball and whoever, you have to get Lonzo, rid of Lonzo Ball in that scenario. There's no way, zero chance you keep him in that scenario. Um, you'd have to get rid of him and then Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma, whoever it may be. Um, Kyle, Lonzo Ball has shown no progression this year. It's only 20 games in, but he's shown no progression in this game. He's still, I mean, just lackluster on offense. He just zero aggressiveness. Like you watch him play, and he looks like sleepy on offense. Like he just, he'd rather be anywhere else than on the floor. He has the ball, and he just does nothing with it. He passes it away. I mean, that's what he is. He's a playmaker, but he, there's just no aggression on offense. And I get he's a playmaker. He like he makes everyone else around him better. I guess like because LeBron needs Lonzo Ball, right? He makes everyone around him better. But there's just just no aggression scoring the ball and in the NBA in 2018 you need to have a scoring point look at all the best point guards in the league Russell Westbrook he can score he just had a monster triple double last night Damian Lillard is one of them he had 10 threes last night we're gonna get to that Stephen Curry we don't do a need I say more Kyrie Irving Kemba Walker all the best point guards score this isn't 1980 where, where you have you need a passing point guard a pass first point guard you have to have a scoring point guard if you want to take the next step and uh, you want to be true title contenders. Uh, sorry about that. You have to have a scoring point guard. Damian Lillard is that. And what do we like to pair with LeBron more so than anything else? Shooters. That's why we're talking about, about Bradley Beal because he's a great shooter. Why not get Damian Lillard who can, 
he's handle the ball. Obviously, he's a point guard. He's going to be able to create his own shot set while setting the table for everyone else. He can. He got 10 threes last night. I mean, I don't know. This if this isn't plug and play, I don't know. I don't know what is. He'd fit perfect with LeBron James. And if you think it wouldn't work, why not? Because LeBron needs the ball, right? There's no way he could coexist with the scoring point guard. Well, he won a title with Kyrie Irving. I think that worked out okay. Now the personalities didn't mesh out. That's why they kind of had their <laughs> breakup, as, as they as they say. Uh, but I don't think I don't I don't know if that would happen. I can't speak. On, I don't know LeBron personally. I don't know Damian Lillard personally, so I can't speak on the locker room. I can only talk about basketball. And Damian Lillard would be a perfect, an even better fit with Bradley Beal. Excuse me, with the Lakers than Bradley Beal would be. But you just said, Stephen, why would not to trade for Bradley Beal? So why would you trade for Damian Lillard? Well, okay, good point. But if we're going to be making a trade anyway, why don't we make the right trade? Why don't we go after the guy that's really going to put us over the top? And obviously, you would eliminate the possibility of Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis. But I think Damian Lillard is a better player than Bradley Beal. And I I could settle for that. That's a lower floor than Bradley Beal, uh, Damian Lillard is. I could settle with Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James or... Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. I could settle for that versus LeBron and Bradley Beal and then Kevin Durant. That would be a little bit more confusing. Uh, you let these guys in the Damian Lillard situation, everyone can kind of play their true position, uh, so to speak. LeBron can go to the point forward. Kevin Durant can be uh, your shooting guard or small forward. And then Damian Lillard, obviously, your point guard. I like that scenario much more than Bradley Beal. And with that, you'd have, probably have a really good chance because you'd have to get... Damian Lillard, uh, through a trade, obviously, you'd have a really good chance of retaining him. Uh, a few years ago, Damian Lillard tweeted out, or was it last year, uh, the only teams he would leave the Blazers for are the Utah Jazz, for whatever reason, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Those were the two teams, he said, and he just tweeted it out of nowhere. It was kind of weird. Um, uh, just out of the blue, I mean, he tweeted that, so I don't know where that came from. But the only teams he would leave the Blazers for are the Jazz and the Lakers. And I don't, he's not going to the Jazz. The Lakers the only team that have... Like I said, they're in the running for every, anyone in the league who you think is safe, the Lakers are going to try and come get them. I don't care who. They're going to go after Stephen Curry, I mean, for crying out loud. Uh, that was a joke. <laughs> they, need, they should go after Damian Lillard. More so than Bradley Beal. I don't think they should make a trade at all. I really don't. I think if they were to stay put, obviously they, they, they need to get better. But I don't think they need to make a trade this year right now. I don't think so. But if, we're, if we are talking about the Lakers making trades and making moves and getting better, the guy they should be going after is Bradley Beal and, excuse me, Damian Lillard, not Bradley Beal. They should be going after Damian Lillard and ship Lonzo Ball out. They, their team would just, I would put them in finals contention this year. In that case, if they were to bring over Damian Lillard right now for Lonzo Ball and possibly even Brandon Ingram, who has done nothing this year, I mean, he's just, a, he's just out there. He's just a waste of oxygen. I would honestly consider the Lakers as serious finals contenders with Damian Lillard and LeBron James. Then you add the possibility of Kevin Durant to that big three next summer. Scary stuff. That takes us to the quote of the week. Uh, Quote, I don't know when it became big news to speak the truth. Uh, Browns offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens on Baker Mayfield's Hugh Jackson's comments. Uh, I agree. I don't... Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Baker Mayfield, he just... He put... um, he baked uh, Hugh Jackson. He put him in the frying pan. He really cooked him up, called him fake, and he said he lost a whole bunch of games, which he did. And people are just up in arms. It's just the worst thing. It's this huge tabloid. Who cares? First of all, who cares? Uh, who cares about what Baker Mayfield has to say about his former Browns head coach? I don't care. I mean, why? yeah, why is this a big deal? I mean, if this was um, any other quarterback, I don't care, criticizing a fired offensive coordinator, it, really would, it would be nowhere near this big of a deal secondly is he not right baker mayfield is right i don't care the people are just upset that he he went out into the media and he made the the blatant comment okay what if you want your quarterback to be quiet and soft-spoken i get it i mean it doesn't really bother me he's not he's not johnny menzel as much as people want him want to make him out to be johnny menzel that's not what he is he's not he's a trash talker so is philip rivers um he's a loud mouth but he's not he's not um what's the word I'm, what am i looking for he's not like he's not going to destroy his career or destroy the franchise he's not going out and and cussing people out or cussing at fans or anything like that he's he's just making an honest comment since Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson have left uh the offensive efficiency have gone up and Baker Mayfield's passer rating has gone up 
So what is he wrong about? I don't understand um, what the big deal is. I mean, I get his side of the argument. I'm not defending Baker Mayfield either. He has kind of a petty argument. He's upset that Hugh Jackson went to the Bengals. He got a job. I mean, who who cares where he went? You beat him. You won the game. It's, I would, I mean, I, I don't know, prefer if uh, Baker Mayfield would not say anything. Who cares? But if he does, who cares? I mean, it's not a big deal. I agree completely with Freddie Kitchens. It's not big news. They're, they're blowing. They're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's not a big deal. Baker Mayfield won the game. If he was making these comments and lost, that would be a different story. But he won the game. He dominated. Uh, he made Hugh Jackson look really silly. Um, yeah, he made him look silly, but it's not like Hugh Jackson up and left. That's another part. It, there's two sides to the story, um, but it shouldn't be a story to begin with. That's why this is the quote of the week. It's not a big deal. It's just leave it alone. Who cares? They're the Browns. I don't care. I don't care what Baker Mayfield has to say. I really don't care what Hugh Jackson has to say. He's he's a buffoon. Hugh Jackson is. I don't I don't care. I don't care about any of this. It's just a ridiculous story, and that's why I brought this on here to clear the air, to point out that this is a nothing story, and we're all freaking out over nothing. That is the end of our show this week. On that. Uh, that was more of a personal rant. I know that had really nothing to do. You guys probably got nothing out of that. But that was more of a personal thing. I really had to air that out. This is just a... I really feel that it's a nothing story. Let Baker Mayfield talk some trash. That is why the... And then we're getting back into it. That's why the NBA is so much better than the NFL. Because the players are allowed to have their personalities. In the NFL, quarterbacks need to be typecast. They need to be a, a certain stereotype. They need to be like quiet, humble is the word, hardworking... Why not? Like the quarterback's the most important position on the field. Why not let that be the most fun position on the field, the most exciting player? Um, and Baker Mayfield, for the most part, has been succeeding. It's not like he's been playing bad. He torched the Bengals um, last week. It's not like he's playing bad and he's running his mouth. He's playing really good and he's talking trash. It's fun. Who cares? Leave it alone. It's not a big deal. Now that is officially the end of our show this week. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, Anchor Podcasts. Uh, Hope you enjoy uh, the games this weekend. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast.